When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Tug Republic Podcast, a weekly chat with Carolina Guzik about all things marketing. Some episodes are short tips that you can implement in your business right away, while others are in-depth conversations with industry leaders. Whether you're a new photographer searching for some knowledge or an established professional with years of experience, Carolina offers fresh and innovative advice that can help you transform your photography business. friend before we start with today's podcast episode i just want to give you the heads up the art of pinning will be closing on march 23 2020 so if you are listening to this podcast today before that time and you are interested in the art of pinning right now is the time to purchase this class now as i mentioned before this class is seven modules each module is a video module so it's really easy to follow and don't take my word for it i'm gonna read you a couple of testimonials that just came in um so you know what I'm talking about. So first testimonial comes from Stephanie Sonju. She is a fantastic photographer. Her website is sonjuphotography.com. And she said, my mind was blown by the second module in Carolina's Pinterest class. Like grab a spatula, I need to scrape my brains off the ceiling. Carolina breaks down the art of pinning in an easy to follow modules and leaves no no stone unturned. I gave up on Pinterest months ago because, oh my God, so boring to pin and repin, but Carolina shared her secret weapon and now I am a pinning queen. Thank you, Sonja, for this beautiful testimonial. I'm going to read one more because, I mean, they are so good. And if you have been thinking about Pinterest, this is the time, as Sonju says, I don't leave any stone and turn. So let me read you one more testimonial. And this one is from Chelsea Irwin. She is also a fantastic photographer. And she says, holy crap. I didn't realize how bad my Pinterest was until I took Carolina's class. I had no idea how to make Pinterest worth my while because I thought it was way too time consuming and not worth my time. Thanks to Carolina's class, I'm now prepared to slay the Pinterest game. You go, Chelsea! Woman power! Go to Pinterest. But if you're a guy also, you can get the Pinterest uh, class. And you can find this on the talk republic forward slash Pinterest. And that obviously is togrepublic.com forward slash Pinterest. I'm going to put a direct link on the comments. I mean, the notes of this podcast episode. So without any further ado, it's time to learn about SEO and blogging. And here we have another amazing episode. Enjoy. So Corey, once again, welcome to the Talk Republic. Today, we're going to cover this massive topic, which is blogging. Is blogging dead? What's going on? What are the best practices? It's going to be intense. So if you're watching... (laughs) get some paper, breathe, and just go with us today in this journey about blogging. I love talking <laughs> about blogging. It's your favorite thing, is it? It, it could be. I, one of them, for sure. Awesome. So what about you introduce yourself? You tell us who you are, what do you do, and all that good stuff. Okay. Well, I'm Corey. I am the founder and now co-founder of Fuel Your Photos. And Fuel Your Photos was started because I was a wedding photographer for... 10 years or nine or 10 years for a long time. Uh, my wife and I worked together. And when we started having kids, we we're like, eh. Ashley stays at home and she homeschools our kids. So she didn't really have time to help me as much in the photography business. And I wanted to do something a little bit different. I had started doing web design development and SEO when I was in high school, actually right out of 
college, I started, I was just about, about to offer some, some services to local businesses, but then I found photography and that's when my photography business started. But I used what I learned then to start the photography business faster and it grew and it was very successful for us. Uh, we had a lot of good years doing wedding photography, but like I said, I wanted to go back to something where I could be, you know, I could do the work without um, needing Ashley to help so much in the business. And I already loved doing this kind of thing. So I started Feel Your Photos as a way to put out reliable SEO information to photographers because I was finding that there was so much bad information. In fact, this morning, I'm sitting here reading through a thread right before we got on this call and I'm just like, oh, it's so bad. It's like these people are saying things and, and they're like, I do SEO on the side and I get all these inquiries and blah, blah. And looking at the advice they're giving, I'm like, it's completely wrong. It's terrible, terrible, terrible. And I see that at least a few times a week. And that was the whole reason that I started Feel Your Photos was I wanted a place where people could say, I, I trust what I'm learning here and the information shared within this group is at least monitored by someone who is a professional and understands the market and can filter out the bad information. So that's what, what happened there. And, and for a little while, I tried offering SEO services and I found uh, this like gets a little bit long. I won't get into it all, but basically get into it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've learned that photographers need to learn to do a, a large part of SEO for themselves because SEO is such a broad topic. And if you really paid someone to do everything for you, it would just be like hiring a full-time employee and it could be very expensive. Um, there are, there's always ways to outsource certain tasks, but you need to learn things yourself. And so we've, we being myself and Dylan, who's now my partner in this Dylan Howell, who's also a great photographer. Um, we are focusing on education. And so we want to empower photographers to take control of their websites and their search engine optimization and their online marketing and have a better understanding themselves so that they can be more efficient, be more effective. And if they want to hire someone, they can communicate with that person effectively and understand what they're getting. I have to say that, well, first of all, I had Dylan on the, on the, podcast also so I'm going to link to that episode it was about SEO it was fantastic I have been in your group for months so I can't be a testament that you guys are the real deal because I see what you share with all of us is like really good third of all I have been your client because you we did like a one-on-one um coaching where you kind of like took a look at my website and be like okay well tweak this tweak that and I saw massive improvement on my ranking and things like that so so yes you guys know what you're talking about. <laughs> Thanks. Awesome. So, well, this is a massive question, and I get to see this uh, in the Talk Republic um, group on Facebook every month. I do kind of like one or two website critiques, and what I keep seeing is that people don't have blogs anymore. And I remember 10 years ago when I started, that was like, you need to blog. You need to yeah. blog every day. <laughs> you need to blog every single photo that you take. So mm -hmm. is blogging dead? That's a great question. And it's actually not as straightforward of an answer as you might think. My answer initially has to be, oh, it's so, it's so tough. Almost yes, but almost yes, okay. almost yes, but unfortunately, it's just that people have uh, the wrong idea of blogging in a lot of cases. So mm, blogging okay. as a word, the definition of blogging has changed over time especially for photographers so whenever i started that photography website back when i was you know just getting into photography i was one of that first crowd of photographers who used a blog as the home page of their website like no one was doing that back then this was like 2008 2009 um there were a handful of people who had just started doing it and everyone thought it was a terrible idea uh, why would you put a blog as your homepage? You need to put your portfolio as your homepage, et cetera. And this was also pre Facebook, pre any big social media where when you had a blog, it was a way that you could put your ideas and your thoughts and your things that you're doing daily. I mean, there was no Instagram even, right? So like, we thought that we're two dinosaurs talking here. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so at that point, it, it made sense to put out those kinds of thoughts. It was a log of the things that you were, you're doing or thinking. And that was the origin of 
a blog really was it, it's sort of like what we use social media for these days um, a way for you to basically journal online and people were interested if they were if they liked you or they're interested in following you they would read this and you could subscribe on rss feeds did you ever use any rss feeds like google I think reader I did, or yeah yeah <laughs> so i used to follow like dozens of photographers on google reader and just like i would go through and check up on their blogs every week and things like that but no one does that anymore so from that perspective in that kind of blogging, it's it's pretty much completely dead at this point. I mean, no one is subscribing to I shouldn't say no one. There are people who still do. But very rarely do you find people who subscribe to blogs or come back daily or weekly to read new posts on a blog. Um, even big blogs like it's very uncommon for people to do it that way. Maybe they'll they'll check new articles that got posted on social media or something like that. Um, but as far as just blogging your your thoughts or what you're doing daily social media has kind of replaced blogging for that however actually before i do the however oh okay the, <laughs> the other big thing that has happened in the photography industry is that most photographers when they think of blogging they're thinking of taking a client session or a wedding taking some photos writing something about that couple or client and posting that on their website, that is a blog to most people. And, it, and that is not necessarily dead, but it's not the most effective way to use your time. If you have limited time or if you hate blogging or like you just don't want to do this, if if you had to only do a few blog posts, I would almost go as far as to say you should never do client work as blog posts, not just like one client session. Obviously, you want to use the client work, but you don't necessarily need to just like blog each client session. I won't say you should never do it, though. I will tell you whenever I was a wedding photographer, one of the most effective ways that I got new leads was to do a some sort of sneak peek from a wedding uh, very quickly after the wedding, a day after two days after and to post those on my blog. Now, you know, the logistics of all of that maybe different for everyone and how they want to handle that. Maybe it's better for you to put them on Instagram than your blog. I don't know. But for me, when I put them on my blog and that sent other people there, and then they were able to see work from other uh, couples or whatever, a lot of, a lot of weddings had other engaged couples or people who might be getting engaged. Eventually I got inquiries almost every wedding when I posted a sneak peek. So you could still use a strategy like that. You could do the same thing on social media and not use that strategy. But I do want to say that posting client work can still have some benefits. It can have the benefit of making clients happy or excited, wanting to share, sending more traffic to your website, potentially getting some links. Every once in a while, you'll have a client that has a blog or uh, something like that, and they may link to you. So there are some benefits. I don't want to say you should never blog client work. But for the most part, when it comes to search engine optimization and what Google is rewarding, Client work is just not cutting it anymore in 2020. Very rarely. Do you, do you, want, me to, second, you want me to say why? Said, yeah, but for a second you say 2020, and in my mind, I I thought like oh, like like that was so far ahead. I know. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm, like, I, I'm still getting used to it. It took me a second to be like, oh my god, it's 2020. <laughs> exactly. So yes, uh, I like to I like to hear about this because uh, I think that there is. A misconception or not a misconception i think that we are said in our old ways and just like you know anything else around us blogging has evolved and the way that we use it 10 years ago is not practical or time effective or actually leading to a success in our business as yeah. you know things should change so yes i want you to explain better alternatives okay let me talk about why the client session let's, let's let's just say weddings for a minute um let's assume it's a wedding photographer this would be pretty much the same thing of anyone but weddings are a really good example because you might see a lot of advice out there that says you should blog every wedding and target the wedding venue with the title or uh you know the the keywords in the post should target the wedding venue because that'll help you rank for that venue and people the couples are searching for venues and all of that is true but one of the problems is that that advice has been around for long enough that in most markets, in most competitive markets, there are at least 5, 10, 15, maybe more posts that photographers have made that target each venue. 
Mm. Uh, if you find a brand new, okay, so there's two situations where uh, just blogging a wedding and targeting a venue could still work. There may be more than two, but these are the two not including luck. So the first one is if you find a venue that just doesn't have anything posted yet, maybe it's a a new venue. venue. Yeah, a new venue or not very popular venue, something where just no photographers have really touched it yet. Um, And that still happens. I see it happening. You could just post something and because no one else has said anything about it, you'll almost instantly rank for that because you have some relevant content. So if there's not much relevant content at all about a topic or a venue or something like that, and you post about it with even just client work with that topic in the title, it's almost always enough to get you ranking first or second page almost instantly. Those those opportunities are rarer and rarer as time goes on. Uh, but the other opportunity or the other time when this works is if you have significant authority. So I won't get into all the nitty gritty of where that comes from, but primarily it's going to come from your uh, links that are coming to your site. So backlinks that you have. So if you have been featured on really big websites, maybe you had something go viral and you kind of went nationally, um, you got featured on Buzzfeed and board Panda and stuff like that. Let's say, you know, you've had weddings featured in Sammy pretty Martha Stewart weddings, all the big Huffington Post. you know, like all the big names like that. If you have that kind of authority with lots of good links, then sometimes you can publish something that has a venue name in the title and your your authority will kind of swing some weight. You'll kind of knock some other people out because your site overall is trusted more. And so you can kind of beat those people. But if all things are equal, let's say all of your competitors are about equal in authority or they may have more authority than you and you just try to like put keywords in to target a venue it's just so hard these days to get that to really perform well and you may get lucky. So I don't want to discourage people who are doing this and maybe having some success. If you're having success, keep doing it. Like if it works for you, I'm not mad at you for blogging like this, but I'm telling you that going forward, it will work less and less and will be less and less effective over time. And you need to at least be aware of this and start thinking about how you can shift your strategy. Good. Okay. So let's kind of like break this down because that's a lot of like a lot of information that the uh, website authority and all that, like, where yeah. are we? This is like super dense. So <laughs> let's say, um, let's break this down. Okay. Let's say my website, Carolina Gustic Photography. I've been in business for 10 years. I have mm-hmm. had the same domain for 10 years. Mm-hmm. So all these little things start adding for my website authority. Mm-hmm. Okay. First of all, before we even get into this, what is website authority? Yeah. Simple. Give me the simple, simple for dummies definition of what website authority is. Mm, it's such a, it's not a simple topic, unfortunately. The, the simplest answer, though, is that if you had to boil it down to one factor, it's going to be the number of links. Okay. That's, that's so oversimplified. But if you count like the number of other domains that link to your domain, that would be probably the simplest metric that correlates with authority in the way that Google uses it. Okay, awesome. So I have my website and then I photograph, let's say, Michael and Suzanne. And they got married at this beautiful wedding. I mean, this beautiful venue, we're going to call it, I don't know, whatever, Vizcaya wedding. Now I want to, you know, blog about their session just because I am set on my old ways and I want to blog this. But now I'm learning something new in the Talk Republic. So I'm going to try to change my brain and do Mm -hmm. something better. So instead of me just saying, oh, Michael and Suzanne got married at Vizcaya and post 25 photos of this Mm -hmm. wedding, what would be a better approach to blog something like this to make it Better, of course, I understand, as you just explained, that it's not as simple as posting a picture on Instagram. And I want to make sure that people do this because I think blogging has a lot of people get frustrated because it takes time Mm -hmm. and it's not an easy fix. But what could be some things that I can do to blog in a way that at least I'm planting the right seeds to see some kind of fruit someday? Yeah, for sure. Okay, so in in this example... There's a couple of different things that you could do with that wedding. The first one is you may want to go ahead, if you haven't done this already, you may want to start what I would call a cornerstone page for Skaya. So the, the venue itself, if you want to rank for that venue, then you need a page or a post on your site that 
is answering the intent behind someone searching for, let's say they're searching um, the Skya weddings. Let's something hold like on, that. hold on. Let's pump the brakes in here because I'm trying to yeah. to walk through like my no blogging brain. So okay. We're talking about intent. Yes. Nobody is blogging Michael and Suzanne's wedding. Nobody, maybe a stalker, maybe one person. Right, no one's searching for that, exactly. right. So what we need to first- Unless they're talk. celebrities, sometimes. It does okay. happen. Correct. <laughs> but we're talking about <laughs> random people, right. normal folks that, you know, that they're just getting married. Yep. So the first thing that I ask a person that is blogging, like me as a photographer, the first thing that I need to figure it out is what might be the questions that some other couples have regarding- this venue or the city or I, I don't know what else. <laughs> yeah. Any topic. I mean, any topic that you're trying to target, there's going to be questions that people have around that topic and your job as a content creator. So when I talk about blogging these days, I almost always have started to replace the word blogging with content creation Good, because I just, I think blogging still reminds me of journaling and okay. I don't really want to think about journaling. There are some people who could still be successful with that, especially if they've built an audience as a personality. Uh, but even then, I think like the current way to go with that would be vlogging. So YouTube is kind of the place to go if you've got a personality and an audience that wants to follow you. We don't have to get that right in a second. But anyway, um, so so going back, the, the idea is that for any topic that you want to rank for, you need to create content around that topic that helps solve problems for the person who is doing the search or answer questions for that person or help them complete a task on their checklist. So if I am searching for uh, Vizcaya weddings, I may want to know a variety of things. And each of these are intense. And so one of them could be, um, I want to know who's the contact person if I want to reach out and find out if they're available. It could be how many guests can attend a wedding at this uh, at this venue. It could be, what's the parking like? Where can my guests stay that are close by? Um, you know, do I have to use your caterer or can I bring my own? You know, all of these kinds of questions are very typical of someone searching for a venue. They may want to see some photos of the exterior, the interior. They want to see where they can set up their ceremony and what maybe some various options that people have done over the years with different kinds of decor. So then is when we can use the pictures of Michael and Suzanne to like yep. showcase like this is how they set up their ceremony and this is how they set up their reception kind of a yep. thing. So at the end of the day, we're not blogging about Michael and Suzanne. We're blogging about Vizcaya with the intent of like, who is looking for this information? What do they need to know? Right. They don't need to know that Michael and Suzanne met in high school. Nope. That's irrelevant to them. <laughs> Completely. That's <it's> nothing. Okay, <laughs> fantastic. Yeah. Guys, take notes. This is good. This is yeah. good and, and also a little bit scary. <laughs> <laughs> so another thing you could do with this, let's say that you already target the, the venue with another page on your site or another mm-hmm. post on your site. Well, this new wedding could still be useful in a couple of ways. One, it could be what I call supporting content for your cornerstone content. So this let's again, we already have a page on our site for Vizcaya as a venue. And now we have who is it? Suzanne and uh, And Michael Michael and Suzanne. All right. And so now I might want to just have on that on that cornerstone page for Vizcaya, I might want to link out to some examples. I might want to show a winter wedding and a spring wedding and a classic wedding and a casual wedding or whatever. I could link to all of those. And so this could be one piece of supporting content. Now, if it's supporting content, I do not want to use keywords like Vizcaya, wedding, any venue related terms in the title of this post. I don't want to use them in the H1 of this post. I might use the phrase once and link to the cornerstone page. I know this is a little bit hard to follow on a podcast where it's like, you can link to it. But the idea is that the supporting content would refer to the main cornerstone content and the cornerstone content could refer to this supporting content. And what I like to do with supporting content is try to come up with some unique attribute of the wedding or the couple or something interesting that maybe still has some search volume. And so what I would probably do is go to Pinterest and I would put in something related to the wedding 
and look at the little like auto suggestions. There's like little bubbles that pop up whenever mm-hmm. you search on something in Pinterest. And it'll give you all these different ideas of things that people are searching for on Pinterest. And these are all interesting attributes of weddings and different kinds of things that people are interested in. And so I, I had one one time. So there's a, a venue in Columbia. It's called the Millstone at Adams Pond. So I've already got a, a, a page that's set up for the Millstone at Adams Pond. And I had a new post I wanted to optimize. And so I did something like classic Southern wedding at a historic grits mill. And that was the title of the post because someone might be searching for classic Southern weddings, or people might be looking for uh, weddings at historic um buildings in in South Carolina or or something along those lines. And so if they're searching for something very, very specific like that, that one couple's post or wedding is a great post that fulfills that kind of very specific intent. So you're casting a really wide net for a lot of random things that people could search for. And that's where blogging each session can come in handy if you want to cast this really wide and random net of anything people could possibly be looking for. Interesting. I have so many questions. <laughs> so let's say just to go back to this kind of like mental picture that we are creating for our listeners, which is, yep. Okay. well, first of all, I have another question. When you talk about okay. these Cornerstones uh, articles, are those mm-hmm. blog posts or pages on your website? That's a really good question. They can be either one. It really doesn't matter in the eyes of Google. The the big differences are going to be dependent on your platform. Okay. So if you're on WordPress, it really doesn't matter much at all. Pages can have child-parent relationships, so you can nest them in the URL. Um, so you can have like venues slash venue name or something like that. Can't do that with blog posts. Blog posts can have categories and tags. They're called taxonomies, uh, whereas pages cannot or by default cannot. Um, and then posts are typically date based uh, or or have some sort of date archives automatically generated so there's these like technical considerations of where they might get placed automatically in certain archives or how you might be able to nest them if you have some sort of strategy for doing that but if you don't know any of that and you don't like care to know any of that then just make it whatever is more convenient for you some platforms may have different kinds of builders for pages and posts like show it, for example, pages in show it are built on the show it side, whereas blog posts are like using WordPress It's a completely different interface for people. So they may be more comfortable creating pages where they can design them how they want um, versus blog posts. That being said, I will say this. We've seen situations on show it where people really kind of went heavy on design and they wanted to make it pretty and they built this thing. And this has happened for wedding photographers who are trying to make this cornerstone content about wedding venues it's two different times we've seen this and there's like you know alternated photo text text photos like pretty everything looked great um and then it just wouldn't rank and then we took that and we switched it over to the wordpress side just made it a blog post and put name of the venue photo paragraph name of the venue photo paragraph etc just in a list and it started ranking and we're like what in the world and some of that happens because of technical limitations of platforms so show it has a different way that they handle pages than posts and the the meta information in in the the head of the pages is completely different can't use yoast which doesn't really matter necessarily if you can do it all manually but it's just tricky so that being said the actual if it's on squarespace probably doesn't matter page or post has a little bit different features and how you can handle the seo That's really what it comes down to, the features of the builder and how you can handle the the SEO. At the end of the day, what's going to matter is the content that you are writing and the intent that it has. Correct? Correct. Awesome. We had a comment here from Stephanie Sonju. She says, good question. I always hear people saying they don't block because they just make them pages. Yep. And that could be fine. So either way it works. Um... But I'm going to go back to my story of Susanna and Michael. I like Susanna and Michael a lot. So they got married at Vizcaya. We blog about Vizcaya and I blog about the things that people might be looking, which is location, parking, who to contact, you know, all those things that you mentioned about. Five months later, um, I don't know, Peter and John get married at Vizcaya again. Sorry, I like I need to be very visual here. (laughs) Peter and John get married at Vizcaya. They have this like super elegant beautiful wedding and now 
I want to do something with this wedding. Now, as you mentioned before, now saying again, Vizcaya wedding in the title is not going to help me because now, I don't know, it's going to compete with the other page or what's going to happen? Correct. Exactly. So what's going to happen is Google will see on your domain, there are multiple pages that could be relevant for Vizcaya wedding. And they're going to have to make a determination on which one to show. And you won't always be happy with Google's choice. And so when you're very specific and you don't duplicate that topic and you only have one page that they can show, then they're almost forced to pick the one that you want them to pick. It's not so much that there's like duplicate content penalties or that uh, keyword cannibalization is a word that I use sometimes, but it really comes down to the fact that you've got two different pages. Google's going to try to pick the right one and they're going to get it wrong some percentage of the time. And we want to reduce that percentage of times that they get it wrong. So we want to be as clear and specific as possible with what we want them to show. Awesome. So let's go back to Peter and John. Mm -hmm. I want to blog it. So what should I blog about this wedding now? How could I approach this to talk about still being able to like, as you said, cast a wider net and Mm -hmm. still being able to like create kind of like a supporting blog for the actual Vizcaya blog post that I created already five months ago. Yep. Yeah. So in this case, couple of things I would do. First of all, I would probably go back into my Vizcaya Cornerstone post or page, and I would update that post or page with some new photos that are from Peter and John. So now we've got multiple weddings that we can show there. We may even have some new insights from doing another wedding there that we want to add to that. Um, so I would update that as, as much as possible, kind of with each new wedding, trying to add some variety there. People mm-hmm. are going to find it more valuable if it's got more variety in it, I think, personally. And quick question. Is this true or is this a lie that because I am adding new content, Google is going to think that I am fantastic and it's going to show me better? I don't know. It can be true. That can have some truth to it. It's not as, like, I think people take that to the extreme. They're like, I just need to update stuff because Google likes updates. Eh, I don't know about that, but... Uh, I do find that in some situations for informational content, especially like like what we're talking about here, information about a venue, showing that it's up to date by updating with new content um, can help because Google knows that stuff like that can get really stale. If it's from six or seven years ago, it may not be true anymore. The contact information may have changed. These details may have changed. And so new up-to-date information may be prioritized for certain types of queries for sure. Awesome. Alrighty, so back to Peter and John. So we yep. go, we add photos here. Now we want to write a blog post that is a supported, kind of like a supported cast to my main character. Mm-hmm. And now maybe should I focus on the aesthetics of the wedding instead of the location? Yeah, so I typically look for a unique attribute of the couple or the venue or the wedding in general. So it could be that in this case, you want to focus on something that has to do with same sex or LGBTQ or something along those lines. And then you could kind of go back to your city as the modifier there, potentially. That's a whole topic in and of itself on like how to handle that situation um, where it's like tasteful, but also useful in search. Mm -hmm. So anyway, that could be one angle. Another angle here could be that let's say, they had, um, you know, a black tie wedding or something like that. And so you could say something like, uh, I don't know where Vizcaya is or what the venue type is, but let's just say it's like a, a black tie coastal wedding in Miami, like I something like along those lines. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're, you're showing an attribute of the wedding itself or of the venue, uh, something like that. Again, back to my example, I used, you know, classic his- or Southern wedding in a historic grits mill south carolina grits mill like that around here that's a thing that people like to do or maybe i would focus on the fact that it's a waterfront venue or something along those lines so finding some unique attribute attribute again go to pinterest and look and see you know if you type in if i go to pinterest right now and type in um classic southern wedding what are going to be the other suggestions that it gives me or if i type in historic venue wedding or something like that what kind of things is it going to show that are common for people to search for do they want to see you know we're both in the southeast do they want to see like spanish moss at a venue do they want to see wrought iron gates at a venue what what are people searching for can i add to this post that was included in this wedding it's going to be different for every single wedding but something like that is what i would do and this leads us to the way that people avoid about blogging, which is 
thinking, really, yeah. really <laughs> thinking what you are going to write and putting, you know, your thinking hat on and maybe going back to high school and hating that you have to write a paper that is so long or whatever it is. Yeah. But I mean, that, I mean, what about if I just like, I'm lazy and I'm just like, mm, I'm just going to post a couple of photos and that's it. Not good, right? I need to right. think. You probably I need, need to, to think. Some search. Yeah. And, and I will say, if your if your goal is that you want to chase the secondary benefits of blogging, like I said earlier, things like making your couples happy, getting social shares, driving traffic, not necessarily that you want to rank for new topics, then you could just write a couple, a sentence or two, post some photos, and you could even no index these blog posts. Like if it's just something you want to do because you want to get it out there to show client work, build your portfolio, et cetera. Um, that's fine. And you don't need to show Google all of that necessarily. So it's, it's okay. If you don't have a unique idea, you don't have a, something that you really want to optimize this post for, you can still post it. If, if it's something that you just do as part of your workflow and then tell Google, just don't pay attention to this post. It's not for you. It's for my clients. And that's what we call a no index. Okay. And that's a little, just to give people general information over like, automatically or your all your pages will be indexed by google but there is like a little button i mean i'm talking about wordpress because that's the platform that i use that says don't index or like something along those lines and i yeah. if i just click on that it will appear on my website but it will not be indexed by google that means that if somebody type or search for that information it won't show up correct you got it oh feeling so smart already <laughs> there so, you go. let's talk about something that i myself struggle with and You've seen this because I post this on your Facebook group, which is keywords. Like mm -hmm. this could really, I have no kids, so I shouldn't have gray hairs, but I have gray hairs because of keywords. <laughs> like this really drives me crazy because I take it really to heart. And I think that sometimes that's good. And sometimes I'm like, am I really overthinking this? <laughs> probably. So, well, a hundred percent, probably. So, <laughs> When I'm thinking about keywords that are not as straightforward as, say, the venue, right? That's a very straightforward thing that I don't even need to think about. But let's talk about those supplement um, posts or things like that. And I start, you know, let's say black tie wedding. And I go and I search and there is a thousand search for that or 2,000. Or there is just like none, zero. I mean, it shows me there is nothing. What would be the best approach to find the right keywords? And I know this is a massive question, but like, yeah, it's hard. It's so help hard. somebody out today, Corey. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Corey. so we have. We, we sorry, it was cut. It was breaking up. I think I'm back. Though. You're back. Um, yeah. So anyway, we have a few different methods that we'll use. So as professional SEOs, Dylan and I use tools like Ahrefs and Simrush. These are expensive tools, though. You're talking right? Chinese be... to me. We, we need to go back to simple bread and water over here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so I think yeah, if you're not going to use one of these professional tools, almost. Okay. So even the professional tools give data that's just an estimate, right? It's never going to be 100% accurate with volume and and competition level and things like that there are some tools that are more consumer friendly like they're not expensive you could even even free potentially um like uber suggest is a tool that right now does a pretty good job of trying to mimic a simrush type tool where they'll show you some volume for different keywords it's eh, the data is really rough like you have to take it with a huge grain of salt mm -hmm. um, and a lot of times I think the best thing you can do is use your intuition. Like, okay. do you think that people are searching for this? Do you know that people ask you questions about this? Uh, maybe use a different kind of search engine. Again, go back to Pinterest, go to uh, Instagram hashtags, look and see, like, are people using these hashtags frequently? Then probably they would also search on Google for it. Um, if it's something that's really big, though, it'll usually show up on one of these tools like Ubersuggest or Keywords Everywhere, which is a Chrome extension you can use to, to see some volume. I think you have to pay a little bit for that one now. Um, and, and there's other ones. Uh, uh, what's the there's one called well, you can use, you know, uh, what's the one from Google? Google. Yeah. Keyword Planner is uh, it's so bad now, though, because they they've limited the data on accounts that are not that don't have like big advertising spends oh okay your data that you're going to get as far as volume are going to be in buckets so it's going to be zero to ten ten to a hundred 
at 100 to 1,000. I mean, that's not very helpful if it's like 10 to 100. Well, is it 20 or is it 90? That's a big difference whenever you're trying to target someone. I'm looking at search volume for this. Mm -hmm. So, uh oh, are you back? Back now? You're back. You're back. Something is happening with this internet. Okay, so (laughs) so just keep things as you said. Grain of salt. You know, search other places. You talk about Mm -hmm. Pinterest a lot today, which is fantastic because I want to do a little plug here. My Pinterest class is coming next week. You should get it. But yeah, I think that Pinterest is a tool that gets overlooked a lot. And -hmm. it could be a great um, place to start seeing what people are looking for. It's a great research tool. Fantastic. So yeah, so that's good. Alrighty. So, wow. I know there's a lot of information. It is dense. It's difficult to cover in a podcast. However, for people that are listening to us, you do have tons of free resources. Just your Facebook group, it is fascinating. You are super attentive, you and Dylan. You guys are always answering questions. Like I can like I'm always amazed that you guys are always replying within like 24 hours. There is so much information there. There is a lot of like talented people in there that also help out. So what could people join this group? Where did you say where? So if you go to Facebook and look for fuel your photos, you should find the group. Yeah, it's pretty easy to find this. The big one that has like 16 or 17,000 members right now. That's the main fuel your photos Facebook group you can join. I'm going to link to the notes of this podcast. And if you're watching the live, I'm going to link on the group. I know we have a couple of people here live and I just want to like open up before we leave. If anybody has any questions they want to address right now, this is your time. And before, you know, maybe while people type, um, a question how often do i need to blog do i need to blog constantly once a month once a year yeah. i don't know <laughs> that's a great question and so i think it depends on your goals and kind of where you are with your site at this point i was just talking to dylan about this yesterday in fact we uh we we're messing around with starting a podcast and so we recorded i know it'd be fun uh, we we recorded a couple of episodes and one of the episodes we talked about this exactly and i think like it, it depends on kind of where you are in needing to generate more traffic. So if you're in the stage of I'm getting bookings, I'm pretty happy, but I just want to make sure that I keep this growing and I don't get stale and like I'm making it more and more passive that it's like bringing in more leads every month and I can be a little more choosy. I would say your goal should be anywhere between once a quarter and once a month, you should be publishing like a new solid piece of content, something that is helpful. We've talked a lot about venues here. We haven't talked about some of the other kinds of things. It really can be anything. And we have a whole... Tell me about anything. Give me like three more topics that I could blog about. Okay. So one of the ones that I just did recently, I did it as an example for a a maternity photographer, a newborn and maternity photographer. And I said, um, date night ideas for pregnant couples. Uh, but you could do the exact same thing for engaged couples. If you're a wedding photographer, that's a great topic. So anything oh, that's related so to like, if you're, if you're thinking about, if you're a wedding photographer, you're thinking about couples a lot, right? So what do couples want to know? It could be, have to do with photography or not, but it's still helpful content that you could potentially rank for. It can help with local relevance too, because you could say like, um, you know, best taco restaurants in Columbia, South Love Carolina, <laughs> Um, and like, that's just a thing, you know, it's kind of trendy right now with people who are in the college age, like people want to go get tacos. So that'd be a great post because you'd get a lot of those people. I am mind blown. And this goes really back to what you said at the beginning, forget about blogging and think of you about content creation and content creation. When we ask photographers, let's just talk about wedding photographers. Sometimes I think that we are so laser focused or maybe we're like a little blind to what's happening outside of us that we only think that our job is to talk about venues, wedding dresses and flowers. When, as you said, we can talk about date nights, we can talk about what to do as couples, things that are not specifically related to the wedding day, but Mm -hmm. are super useful for the couple. So you become really like an insider in your city kind of a thing. I just looked, I published that post, that pregnant date night ideas post on January 1st. And so far it's had 162 clicks and about 3000 impressions just in, you know, six or so weeks. 
And that's really good for a, a out of the gates post. Like that'll probably continue to go up and up and up. Um, and and there's just so many other things. Dylan posted one recently. It was about um, places to elope, and he went like big national, I, international. I read it. Yeah. And, and so the idea is like there's there's a lot of different angles you can come at these these things from. Um, yeah, there, there's so many topics that that could drive traffic to your site, and I want you to think about those. Quick question, because I think even though I love social media, I think that it has ruined it for the world and for all of us. And now we're a bunch of like whiny people that want immediate gratification. Uh, we post a photo on Instagram. If you're lucky, you get a bunch of likes, you get super hype, you post a blog post. And as you said, it's going to take a while before it starts ranking. It's not going to happen overnight, right? I mean, I know it could, but a normal yeah, so person. We see a, a, a graph and I can't show you on a podcast, but the idea is you'll often see it spike a little bit in the beginning as Google's like, hey, new content, what should we do with it? We'll, we'll try a bunch of things and see what happens. And they'll give you like ranking somewhere in the first few pages for hundreds of keywords all in the first couple of days. But after that spike, it drops back off um, and you get almost nothing. And it kind of, I see on average um, things take one to three months to even start like really getting consistent traffic, even if it's like 10 impressions or 50 impressions a day or something small like that. And just a couple of clicks, one to three months is a good time to wait before you even like think about it again. And so uh, I have another random example here. This is a good example of another topic. I did. Are you still there? Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. You're yeah. good. Okay. I, I, I did uh, a random, random whole separate blog about um viking wedding traditions basically but it's random do but you it, watch it, vikings because that's my favorite tv show that's awesome i didn't know that but i don't actually watch it but it was a it was a dylan made this like seo competition as kind of a joke in one of his groups and it was you had to rank for asgard wedding photographer and so I made a whole separate site for Asgard wedding photographer. No. It, it was so, it was just to be funny. I did it in a week. Um, I, I really only spent like two days on it and I hired someone to write three articles. One of them was about um, Chris Hemingsworth or whoever it is that plays Thor. One of them was uh, about Viking wedding traditions. And there was another about something else. Oh the Viking God. wedding traditions post has gotten so big that this fake website that I made is starting to get more traffic than my real photography website just from that one post oh my god we're talking like thousands of clicks per month so and just says i've never seen carolina so excited (laughs) i love ragnar and the sons of ragnar and all that actually we were watching last night this has nothing to do with i'm sorry i'm just gonna run for a second we're watching and sorry to break the news but lagatha dies and she had like the most beautiful viking like whatever ceremony and i was telling my husband i'm like maybe that's what i want when i die he's like oh yeah i'm gonna ship you on a boat here and i start shooting arrows at you so but do you think that this blog did so well because let's say vikings it's kind of like doing a blog post about like game of thrones wedding Mm -hmm. it's happening even though we don't have game of thrones anymore people are still like into the show it's like a big thing do you think that focusing on things that are like popular training it's going to be good for business, obviously. I think it's worth doing to some extent if you have time. I wouldn't like make my my strategy 100% like trends. It's, it's kind of like if you're into trading stocks, you don't want all of your money to go into like high volatility stocks that are, you know, these companies that have a huge potential, you know, Tesla or whatever that's like shooting up. Great, but it could also all go away really quickly. Um, so I think that's kind of the thing with trends is that it can't, you can ride it and it can go way up really fast. It can also be a really great opportunity to get backlinks. So you'll, I don't know if this is still a thing. I haven't been staying close for a while, but back when I was following a lot more wedding photographer blogs, you would see them do these things like an engagement session that was themed like X, you know, whatever it could be Viking themed engagement session, but they would do it because of a show or a you know, uh, Game of Thrones themed engagement session or whatever. And you would see they would post it and then it would get picked up by like media sites. They would want to share this, that kind of thing. If you can get the media attention and you can get the backlinks, absolutely, it's worth it. It it could be career changing to get links from big media sites. So if you think you could do that, then go for it. Awesome. So much information today. So great. Tell us where could people find it. You also have 
a whole program, a whole class for SEO and blogging. Tell us yep. a little bit about it. Yes. Yeah, so we have, uh, uh, we've basically packaged it all together now and we, uh, we're calling it fuel my business or fuel your business, basically just a, how to get more traffic from Google. And it's made up of two courses. One is SEO for photographers. So it's all of the things like we talked about cornerstone and keyword cannibalization and like these concepts that you need to know to understand SEO. That's all in the SEO course. And then we have a separate course that's just for blogging and the blogging course. We talk, we take it really through a couple, three phases. What is what I call it. Basically the first phase is researching ideas. So topic brainstorming. So how to come up with these topics that are going to drive traffic. We have a process that walks you through brainstorming those ideas. And then phase two is taking one of those ideas and actually working on building a perfect post. And so we talk about things like how to research um, the right keywords for that post or the right topics that you want to include for that post, how to format it so that you'll be more likely to win featured snippets, all of these kinds of things like how to maximize your blog posts. Um, and then the the third phase is basically, what do you do after that? How do you push this out to get more reach? Maybe some links? Where do you share it? How do you check up on it to see if it's working in three months? What do I look at when I look at Search Console to see how I need to update it? That's kind of what that blogging course runs through. So yeah, it's it's a great resource. We've, we've finally got things down into a system, like where we can say, here's a template for this. Here's a template for this. Follow this this format and you will almost always find success. Um, and so far, so good. The two examples that we used, the one was that maternity date night and the one Dylan made was the elopement um, locations. Both of those have just shot off. And like since we built the course, we've been using that template for all of our personal blog posts. And every single one so far has been successful, which, you know, I don't know how long we'll keep that streak, but... Uh, we're Listen, happy. You know, be grateful <laughs> where you can. Uh, and for all of you that are listening or watching right now, something that you should be doing right after this podcast episode, the minimum that you should be doing is going to their Facebook group, fill your photos, join. It's massive information, great people. You're going to learn so much there. And then, you know, check out the classes because they are really, really worth it. What are you loving right now since we are living and wrapping this up? Other hmm. than SEO, I'm blogging. Yeah, so I guess <laughs> this is a, a random answer, but uh, I'm really obsessed with YouTube right now. Like just in general, the the idea of the YouTube being like this huge opportunity, it's a sleeping giant in my opinion, and it's just about to wake up. And I'm really interested in like what it takes to build a YouTube channel, uh, strategies for YouTube. So I'm just like obsessed. I'm watching YouTube all the time. I'm going down these weird like YouTube rabbit holes. Rabbit hole. <laughs> oh, it's so interesting. With like, because they suggest like something that's kind of close to what you've already looked at. And you're like, oh, that's different. And you watch it. So I spend way too much time watching YouTube, but I'm also thinking about starting my own YouTube channel. Uh, so that's kind of what I've been obsessed with lately. Doing a lot of research on that. That has been on my back burner for I'm like, oh, maybe I want a YouTube channel, but do I need another task? I don't know. Maybe I do. Maybe I don't. But uh, definitely something to, you know, consider. Uh, Corey, thank you so much for your amazing uh, share of knowledge, your information. Again, I'm always like amazed of how much you know and how much you guys share in the group. Like you guys are really, really generous with all the information that you share. So thank you so much for that. Thank you for the time of doing this podcast. I'm super grateful. And for all of you that join us live, thank you for being here. You guys are amazing and I'll see you very soon. Ciao. Bye. Thanks for listening to today's episode. For more info about marketing tips for photographers and show notes, please visit thetogrepublic.com. If you enjoyed today's show, please go to iTunes and leave us a review. Want even more? Join our marketing community group. Just search for The Tog Republic Group on Facebook. Until next week.